Hi, I'm Amber. And hi, I'm Brenda, and this is the Minority Millennial Money Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Minority Millennial Money. Today, we're going to talk about the financial order of operations. And just as a disclaimer, this isn't financial advice. This is just what we have done that has turned out to work well for us. And a lot of people do ask us when they should start investing in their 401k versus outside of their 401k, what to do with different percentages of their income and such. So uh, Amber thought to describe the order of operations for those of us who aren't sure what to do with any extra income. Yeah. So I know we talk a lot on the podcast about, you know, invest this 401k this. And like a lot of people say, all right, I have some money. What exactly should I do? Like, what is your practical advice? So we're here to, to give you that. Okay. So we're going to have an imaginary person. Yeah. She's going to be a woman and yes. she makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And She lives in in an area with a moderate cost of living. So it takes about 50% of her income to cover her housing, transportation, all of her bills, right? So any money that is um, outside of that is going to go either towards saving or investing. So she makes a hundred thousand a year, 50% is going to living expenses. Okay. So Amber, what should she do right after she makes that budget for spending 50% of her income? What should she be doing with the other 50%? So what I would suggest is definitely the first thing is maxing out your 401k. Um, So the maximum amount is $19,500. For this year, right? Exactly. For for this year. And that will actually lower her taxes. So if you look at it like a little pie chart, $100,000 is the pie. You have half of it, $50,000 that goes to living expenses. And then $19,500 goes to 401k. And then we estimate that probably another $20,000 would go to, to taxes then. So at that point, you have the 50% block, the $19,500 block, and then the 20% or $20,000 block. Um, so at that point, you have about $40,000 left. Did I do the math correctly? I'm a lawyer, so. <laughs> right. So if you're, we're saying you need 50% to live on, right. 20% you're paying towards taxes. So that's 70% of your income already. Yep. If you can afford to contribute 19.5%, which would be 19500 out of 100000 to your 401k, then you do that. So now you've got 10.5% of your income left Mm -hmm. and that 10.5% is going to get taxed, right? Um, Only the 19.5% that you didn't, uh, that you put in the 401k 401K is not going to get taxed. So now you've got about $10,500 a year left over. We're doing this on a yearly basis, right? So what should I do next? Now I've maxed out my 401k, Mm -hmm. I've paid taxes and I've paid my living expenses I already have an emergency fund, right? This is after you have an emergency fund. Right. So now what should I do with those 10,500? So my advice would be to, to invest in the Roth IRA. So like, I don't like paying taxes, right? I don't think anybody does. Um, everyone wants to Donald Trump their taxes. I know every single year I try to figure out how I can do, how, you know, what would Donald Trump do is like, basically like what I, what I say when I'm doing my taxes. So (laughs) 
you know, so for the Roth, um, for your IRA, you know, that's deductible if you make under a certain amount. I think this year was 126,000 was your, where you could yes. still deduct it. So it changes every year. So I don't know what it will be next year. Um, but you can put another $6,000 in your IRA that you can deduct from your taxes. So I would suggest that. And then like the IRA and the 401k are all, and that you're all investing that into the market. So it's not like the money is just going in and sitting in a fund. It's being invested. So just right. in everyone's minds. So 6,000 additional dollars, I would suggest putting into an IRA and then you have a remaining. A Roth. Yes. Well, traditional, right? Because traditional is where you can deduct it. I think Roth, you can't deduct it. Roth, you cannot deduct. Okay. So here's, we were throwing out a lot of terms. So let's clarify. Mm -hmm. 401k is through your employer. Yes. It is tax sheltered. Yeah. which means that any money that you put in that account will not get taxed, right? So for every, if you're going to invest the full 19.5% and you make exactly $100,000 a year, then you will only get taxed on $80,500 that year. Yes. Right. But when you invest in a Roth, you are investing money that has already been taxed because it was in your paycheck, right? Yeah. It didn't go to the 401k. And the logic is that you're already paying taxes on it now. So when you withdraw it in the future, you won't have to pay taxes on it then. Right. Whereas the money in the 401k, because you sheltered it from taxes now, you will have to pay taxes on it then in the future. Right. But the logic is that in retirement, you're likely going to have a much lower income. And so your tax burden won't be as high as it is now. Right. And then a traditional IRA is an individual retirement account and a traditional means that you can deduct it because you, you don't want to pay taxes on it now. Yep. So you don't get to, you don't get to skip out on the taxes when you get your paycheck, but you get to skip out on the taxes when you deduct it while oh, you're yearly filing. Exactly. Right. So a lot of people um, will put it in traditional IRA um, and then they get to deduct it. Now, a trick that I found out, Brenda is tell me more <laughs> you can actually so let's say you you put the money into your traditional ira so you can deduct it well there's this thing you can do where you basically transfer it for it to your roth later hmm. and then you don't ever pay taxes on that money because then it's in your roth and it's you a rollover exactly yeah that's what they call a backdoor roth yeah and that's especially useful for people who make over the limit where you can't contribute to a Roth at all. I right. think last year it was 135,000. If you make one, over 135, then you cannot contribute directly into a Roth. But what people do is they contribute to a traditional, right. deduct it from their taxes. And once they filed their taxes, then they roll it over to a Roth IRA. And then it's a rollover contribution. It's not a direct contribution. Exactly. Um, and, go ahead. And what you're limited on is direct contributions. Right. So, I mean, like, regardless, um, we're suggesting you put the $6,000 into the IRA because all the money that grows in there, so the interest that you make off that money. So, you know, when you buy and sell stock and you make money in that account, you're not taxed on the money that grows in that account. So that's why we're suggesting putting it in IRA. The caveat right. though is you cannot access these funds until retirement without a penalty. So in a Roth IRA, you can access your contributions 
Like if I, if I con contributed $6,000 last year and it grew by another 3000, say it had a 50% growth, which is just crazy. But let's say now it has 9,000 and tomorrow I need a new car and I want to buy it cash for $6,000. I can go withdraw the 6,000, mm. but I cannot withdraw any of the gains until retirement or at oh. age 59 and a half. So a Roth, you can withdraw contributions because it is technically just your money and you've already paid taxes on it. So mm. there's no penalty to pull it out, but you cannot pull the gains on that money. So it gets complicated because then you have to I mean, my, like, for example, my brokerage, they do a really good job of showing you like, this is how much you contributed and this is how much it's grown. Mm -hmm. Obviously I have an emergency fund and I don't have a need to withdraw from my Roth, but worst comes to worst, the Roth IRA is still accessible without penalty or tax. That's really good to know. Um, yeah. I just have sort of a rule, like I'm not touching any of my retirement accounts ever. And so. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. For me though, it's nice to have that in the back of my head. Like, like yeah. maybe one month I'll have to go into my emergency fund and it's going to take me a while to build it back up. I, it's nice to know that like I have money in my Roth to cover me if something else were to happen. You know, when it rains, it pours. Mm -hmm. Sometimes multiple bad things happen at once and you're like, <laughs> I need another source of money. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Okay. So, okay. So we had 10,500 left over and then you just took another 6,000 for me and put them in a Roth or a traditional IRA, depending on how you want to deal with the tax situation. Right. So now I have $4,500 left a year and let's say I get paid bi-weekly. How much should I be, or what should I be doing with those other $4,500 a year? So I suggest opening a brokerage and putting that money into a brokerage account. So basically what that is, is just your own private investments. So you can go through any bank. Um, many banks have it. I always tell people Betterment. I really like Betterment because it's like an app that basically you put the money in and it robo invests it. So you don't need to know like what to invest in specifically. It'll invest the money for you, but you can go through Merrill Lynch. You can go through, I think you do M1 finance, Brenda. Uh, yes. I and I really like it. And I think after this, after we get through with the order of operations, then we can talk about what does it mean for you to have the money in there and what is it in and what are you buying? Right. But yes. Yeah, so now you invested in the Roth and then the rest, you're going to open your own brokerage account. Do you need to have any kind of amount of money to be able to open a brokerage account? I don't think so. I mean, it depends on the bank probably, but usually no. I think in one of our first few episodes, I talked about how I went to Wells Fargo and the financial advisor told me that I needed $25,000 right. and I only had like 22 at the time. So he told me to cash out my 401k, one of them <laughs> that had about $3,000 in it to make, to be able to, you know, complete the $25,000 so that he could get me this particular portfolio. Right. And I, I mean, looking back, I'm like, wow, I was so naive and like, I didn't know anything, but I, I did that, you know, and I regret that a lot now, but, but yes, you can go to M you can go to M one finance, which honestly they should start paying me for how many good things they say about them. <laughs> but, um, you use Betterment. Um, I, use I have, Merrill Lynch. I use Merrill Lynch, but I always tell people they should use Betterment. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that there's lots of platforms nowadays and you can do your own research. I'd be happy to talk with you if you're interested in M one finance. But so, okay, so you've allotted the amount of money to the different accounts. Now you go open the brokerage account and at my brokerage M1, I have my Roth IRA there too. Um, I have my Roth and I have a taxable brokerage and I have the traditional IRA. 
my 401k is still with Fidelity. That was my, what my former employer used. So you don't really get a choice about where your 401k is. It's just whoever your employer uses. Right. But most of them use these big companies like Charles Schwab, Fidelity, Merrill Lynch, E-Trade. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we were kind of comparing our positions. So what does positions mean? What do you mean by that? Like what we invest in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, when you invest into a brokerage account, is that what you're talking about? Um, So I don't actually choose any of my ETFs. So basically, you can go into, depending on your bank, you can basically choose or choose not to choose um, what you want to invest the money in. So for me personally, I have Merrill Lynch Wealth Management. So I have like a a person that's assigned to me that I talk to and I kind of tell them what my um, retirement goals are and what I want to do. And they basically choose based on how aggressive I want to be, you know, what, um, what I should invest in. But I mean, generally I would say like, I have a lot of ETFs, um, mostly in energy. I have some stuff in Vanguard, um, oil communications, things like that. So, um, it really differs based on, you know, what your, you know, how aggressive you want to be and what kind of bank you have. Right. And the general rule nowadays is the younger you are, the more aggressive you can be because you have a long time to make up any losses and you have a long time to make big gains. And the more risk uh, tolerant you are, the more likely you are to make big gains. So for example, in my Roth IRA, the nice thing about M1 is that they have these pies. And so you choose what pies you want to put your money into, and then they go and they buy those stocks or bonds for you or ETFs, which are exchange traded funds, which are really just groups of small pieces of different companies. Um, and for example, I, I like to invest aggressively because when I first started, I was like 26. So I put 35% of my Roth in M1's 90-10, which is 90% stocks, 10% bonds. And, 10 per, and bonds are different than stocks. We can talk about that another time. And then I have another 30% of my portfolio, which is the total account in a 2060 aggressive target date fund. Can you talk to us about what a target date fund is? Yeah, so it's basically like a fund where you can, you know, you put money in it and then you can choose like a date, like usually like 2050, 2060, something like that. And then like the fund will basically like buy stocks and like uh, towards the end of it, it changes its aggression level, I guess, like by by the years as it goes on. So it'll start right. off really aggressive. And then like, as it gets to, you know, closer to the end date, it'll sort of pull your money out and make it more um, non-aggressive or moderate. Right. And yours probably does this too, but mine, um, so dividends are money that you make off the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we reinvest dividends. So any money that you make off the money gets used to buy more stocks or bonds. Right. And so then you- I have... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you can get, you have a choice, like you can get dividends added to your checking account, but it's like, why would you do that? <laughs> you might as well just buy new. Right. Right. You've already said goodbye to that money. So don't, don't plan on relying on any of the money that the money makes for you. Right. Um, so then I have, so I talked about 35% in M1's 90, 10, 30% in 2060 aggressive. Then I have 20% in an aggressive fund, which is not target dated. So if I wanted it to decrease its amount of stocks over time, then I would have to manually change that to like a less aggressive, like a moderate as opposed to an aggressive. And then I have the last 15% in a fund called, in a pie called responsible investing, which has funds, which are a fund is just a group of shares of companies. 
right? So it's just a grouping of similar companies that tend to be in similar valuations. So we actually wanted to talk about what is, because there's a lot of these ETFs, exchange traded funds that say small, mid or large cap in front of them. Right. So since we, I'm going to quiz you, Amber, since we talked about it before, <laughs> what is mid cap? Um, I think that's like a company that's two to eight billion or a million dollars or billion. Two to 10 billion. Two to 10 billion dollar companies. Yeah. So they have a mid cap company or a, a mid cap growth, a mid cap fund has companies in it that are evaluated between two and 10 billion. Okay. So what I'm assuming that small cap means that they make less than 2 billion and large cap means that they make more than 10 billion. Okay. So when you're investing in such large companies, I usually just kind of split it out evenly. I'm uh, obviously small cap companies are going to probably grow at a slower rate because they're just smaller companies. Right. right? Um, so that's something good to know because as you get into these brokerages and if, for example, for you, Amber, you don't decide personally or directly what you're going to invest in. You, you give them what you, what your goals are, but I actually went through and did this myself and I'm actually pleased with it because, you know, in a couple of years, I've had almost $13,000 gain in this portfolio just from picking the right funds, right. From picking funds that steadily have gone up. So that has yeah. been passive income. Yeah, that's great. So my financial advisor tells me, you know, like what they think, what they're sort of, what they think is going to blow up. Like this year they were like, you know, we think make cap is going to blow up. So put some more money in make cap. Um, so they just like give you tips like that of like what their prediction of the market will be. So. Yeah, that's good. Cause um, we don't expect everybody to do the research to do it themselves. And I know it can feel really scary. Like I remember the first time I went into my 401k portal with my employer and I was like, I'm going to take stuff out of their target date fund. I'm not going to put it hundred percent in the target date fund. And I'm going to put some of at least 50% of my 401k and something else. It can be scary, right? But I will put a plug in for Investopedia's um, library of terms because you can find a lot of answers there as to what things are. Mm -hmm. But I had one more slightly controversial thing in personal finance and money Twitter, which is Bitcoin. Oh yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, so I'm not like, I personally am not gonna invest in Bitcoin at the moment, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's wrong. And I don't think that people are crazy for investing in Bitcoin. I actually know a lot of people who I've met in Hawaii who are like, actually, I just took all of my money out of my brokerage and invested it all in Bitcoin. Um, I know a couple of people who like recently invested like large sums of money in Bitcoin. Um, I mean, that's interesting. I don't think I would do that. Um, I'm more of a conservative traditional person, I think though. So like my personality just lends itself to like just traditional following the market. Cause you, again, we've talked about this. You can become a millionaire quite easily just investing in the market over a 30 year period or a 20 year period. So, um, I mean, I, I don't feel the need to invest in Bitcoin, but I don't know. What do you think, Brenda? Uh, so I have invested in Bitcoin, but it's really just, it started out as like play money. Um, Cause some people were like, well, I just use Robinhood, the app to like invest in individual stocks, but I never felt like I wanted to invest in individual stocks. I was like, why don't I do something riskier? <laughs> oh. 
Exciting. And invest in Bitcoin. So I started a couple years ago and I just want to, I'm pulling up the definition right now from Investopedia. So I'm, I'm literally going to read it. It says the Bitcoin system is a collection of computers, also referred to as nodes or miners, that all run Bitcoin's code and store its blockchain. Metaphorically, a blockchain can be thought of as a collection of blocks. And each block is a collection of transactions because all the computers running the blockchain has the same list of blocks and transactions and can transparently see these new blocks being filled with new Bitcoin transactions. No one can cheat the system. So it's like, it's a cryptocurrency, which means it's digital currency. Like there's no physical Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some people, like in some places are already trading with it. Like your people will give you cash for your Bitcoin. Um, so it's, it's super popular and I, I haven't invested a ton. Like it's definitely not part of my main investing strategy, but I do, I kind of just wanted to like dabble in it. So I I use the PayPal app, um, PayPal will actually let you buy Bitcoin through them. Oh, and, uh, and I've actually seen a good return. Uh, so I mean, I'm not saying that everyone should go buy Bitcoin right now because I do know that there's lots of skeptics. But I mean, I had, if I just sold it all today, I would make money. Right. And I heard that what Elon Musk is letting people buy Teslas with Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So he wants the Bitcoin. I mean, it's, it's sort of an interesting, like anthropological thing to me. Um, huh. It's like a universal currency. Um, I really think that that's really interesting, especially since I like I've traveled so much and lived in different places. The idea of universal currency, I think, is an interesting one, and I'd love to see, you know, what the future holds in it. Um, right. So for people on YouTube, you can see here on my app that it says like, understanding your crypto about Bitcoin, about what does that Ethereum. say? Ethereum. Yeah. And about Bitcoin Cash. So I think even PayPal might let you convert it. Um, but anyway, if you're interested in it, you can read about it on investopedia.com. And then PayPal has some good articles. If you have the PayPal app, you can actually just, you can transfer money from your PayPal balance over into cryptocurrency if you just want to dabble in it. But this is the very, very, very last step in the order of operations. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And in fact, if you only have $4,000 left, to put into a brokerage, you probably should buy any Bitcoin. Oh, <laughs> I'm not just 500 of them. Come on. Maybe. Okay, I so let's just re- go ahead. I, yeah, go ahead and recap, and then I'll say my disclaimer about Yeah, I'm going to recap. <laughs> I'm going to recap. So, you know, this, uh, this hypothetical person who makes $100,000 a year pays 20% in taxes, which brings her down to $80,000 a year. And she's spending half of that on her living expenses, which leaves her with 70% of her, I'm sorry, 30% of her income. So then she's going to max out her 401k. She's going to put in 19.5% because the contribution limit for a 401k is $19,500. So that only works out when you make an even hundred thousand, right? So if your salary is 80, then you need to figure it's going to be more than 19.5% for you. And you just need to figure out if that's affordable and if you can make that work. So then you're left with 10.5% or $10,500 a year. You're going to max out the Roth. And so that's 6,000, which leaves you with 4,500, which means that about every 
two weeks or every paycheck, you're going to put $170 in your regular brokerage account, which is money that has already been taxed. But we forgot to mention this at the end of the year, when you do your taxes, you'll get a tax form form from the brokerage account. And you need to put that in your taxes because if you made, let's say you put $10,000 in that account that year and it had a 10% return, you made a thousand dollars. You're going to have to pay taxes on those thousand dollars. Yes. Yes. Which is why we suggested putting as much as you can into the tax deferred accounts, because you're not paying taxes on the capital gains in those accounts. And that like actually is a good transition into the disclaimer I was going to make. So I'm sure a lot of financial gurus will listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, don't put all that money in your 401k and in your IRA. Just put it all in your brokerage instead because you're going to probably make more money on your brokerage account. You're probably going to have your capital gains are probably going to be higher by investing it privately into your brokerage account than it would into your 401k or an IRA because those are retirement accounts and the rate of return is typically lower um, or it can be lower. Um, I will say that if you, if you put it in the right positions or in the right funds, it can have a good return. I mean, I think mine, my 401k had like 19% last year. So mine too, but my brokerage had higher, Uh, but just because I don't know, you can be more aggressive and you can move things around more easily. They don't let you be as aggressive in the 401k because they don't want you to have no money when you retire. Exactly. I mean, it's a retirement (laughs) account, so it's meant to be conservative. It's not meant to be super aggressive where you can go more aggressive if you do it privately. And so some people will say you can make way more money in your brokerage account and that will outweigh the taxes that you um, deferred. So it just depends on what you want to do. I think if you're new, um to this and you don't know a lot the our method that we just said I think it's like the best in my opinion but and I honestly like I feel like these years for me like 30 to 50 or 55 are going to be my highest income earning years and so I want to offset as much of that tax burden as I can because I feel like I already pay a ton of taxes like 25 to 30 percent so I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity to defer taxes because I'm almost certain that my income will be lower in my retirement, which, so then I'll have to pay less taxes on that income then. So, and yeah, could I make more money in the market? Probably, but to me, it's worth it. It's more worth it to defer the taxes. It just depends. If you're not making that much, then it's probably, it's a wash, right? It doesn't matter. Right. But as you become a higher income earner and you don't have children and you're not married, you're, you're basically paying a lot in taxes. And so it made a difference for me. Like it was like a five or $600 difference per paycheck and how much taxes I paid. Right. Right. And it's money that's yours that would have gone into taxes, but now you can keep in retirement. Right. Yeah. But no, that's a good point because I think some people are not as quick to max out the 401k and they would rather invest in the market, but that also takes a bit more research and a bit more risk tolerance. Right. That's true. Especially if you don't qualify, you know, to get into like one of these big companies like Merrill Lynch or something like that. Right. Where you exactly. have they're doing it for you. Right. Okay. So that is our opinion, not our financial advice to you. <laughs> And we'd love questions if y'all have them. We have been getting some great questions. So reach out to us through Twitter, Instagram. We are Minority Millennial Money on Instagram, MM Money Pod on Twitter. And then our email is on our website, mmmoney.org. Yes.